There we go. Ah, There's Ron. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go through a whole process here with, I just had another computer in my room. Right. And it just had me sign in to all of different stuff that I normally have my son help me. He's not here. So <laughs> you can hear me loud and clear. Absolutely. You're listening to the Parant Favel Generation X podcast with our special guest today, Ron Duguay. Well, <laughs> we're in we're in everybody's homes today, so it's it's more uh, it's well, more uh, yeah, it's a little yeah. more homey. Today, I'm so. a little bit cut off. I'm trying to figure this thing out. Here. Is that you behind you? Is that you? That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that for? Um. No. What do you mean? What is that for? What, what do you is that the poster or that big picture of you? Is yeah. that from something specific, or was just like a photo shoot thing? Well, that was a poster we made, I think, in 1980. That was uh, that I sold of myself. Right. You know, and um, yeah, and to the other side is my jersey, and and it's just kind of a room I created. It's I like Ron room. So right. <laughs> it's the Ron cave. Nice. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so we'll leave it this way, okay? We're good. We're good. Thank you yep. so much for doing this. We really appreciate it, and uh, yeah. look forward to chatting with you. My my pleasure. I'm surrounded by Philadelphia colors, and I'm looking at your logo. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're we're watching you. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the Philly circle now. <laughs> <laughs> you basically are. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, Corey, at least, you know, with uh, his dad, Doug, it was, there's a lot of Toronto history there, so it's not too bad. <laughs> well, and my dad was mentioning too, I didn't realize you were from Sudbury. So I'm in, I'm in Ontario. So I'm in St. Catharines, Ontario. So I'm about six hours from Sudbury, but um, buddies of mine played up there and they, you're a legend in Sudbury, Ron, that's for sure. So <laughs> I like the things that I mark and um, yeah. <laughs> you, um, you go to Subway Arena, they were kind enough to retire my jersey there. Um, so I guess I did enough to leave a legacy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. My my buddy said you guys were there a little before him, but um, growing up, you know, um, what are you saying with uh, Randy Carlisle, Hector Marini, Rod Shutt, Dave Farish? Um, said you guys were legends. But he also wanted me to ask you, do you ever remember a place called Mingles? Mingles in Subway? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a little bit later. Yeah, I remember there weren't many bars to go to. So right. one of them, the ambassador, the other one was the fruit. But Mingles, yeah, was one of them. Okay. Kim and <laughs> I were trying to figure like out. an old like, school name for a club place, yeah, right. Mingles. <laughs> <laughs> so that very old school. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the area up there very, very much. So is that near where you grew up, Corey? It's about six hours north. You know, oh, okay. The big nickel. So it's the, right. the nickel town. But I'm an open book and I'm, you know, I'm 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 pretty free of what I say. And I'm so used to kind of being careful what you say. Right. Against you at a later date. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm not afraid of opening up and uh, speaking my mind. Well, why? I mean, I know you like bike and golf and um, um, tennis. tennis. Yeah. So yeah. Is, that like, how do you, is that how you stay in such like awesome shape? Like you don't age at all. Like. Well, thank you. It's it, um, well, I use tennis as a tool to stay in shape over the years right. I when I was 
15, 16, even in Sudbury, we had some old tennis courts that I would go and play a little bit. And I figured it made a lot of sense with just running and um, trapping a ball, going after the ball, your footwork and your handwork. So it yeah. made a lot of sense to me. So because I, I'd, uh, every year I'd go to training camp, I'd always be in great shape and everyone would say, what? you're in such great shape. And I said, it was easy because I was actually training, but I was having fun. Playing tennis every single day uh, made it where I can still compete and not have to work hard come training camp. I'm not one of those guys that allows myself to get heavy. Right. <laughs> and, uh, really, uh, I'll cheat on my diet a little bit, but I. it was always important to me to, um, you know, if you want to be the best that you can be, uh, you have to be fit. And, yeah. and when you're fit, it's going to allow you to look good a certain way. And it just makes you feel good. So, I've always take, taken pride in, in wanting to be that athlete that's always going to look like an athlete. Right. I, didn't, I didn't want to turn 60 and look like I'm 80. Right. Which never, happens a lot with athletes. It does. And I think it, yeah. depend, it, I think it depends on where they end up as far as uh, their other career. Because if, right. if they're sitting behind a desk or if they've taken something on that um, has them really stressed out, then you tend to eat more and not exercise as much. Yeah. I've had the benefit of not to uh, not having that nine to five job, and so right. I, like I live in California for about sixteen years, Southern California. So that was easy. Then I moved to Florida. That's easy. And so the climate has to do with it also. So if you're sure, living, yeah. if you're living in Kitchener in Philadelphia, the, <laughs> the winter can pound on you. Yeah. And then you're indoors a lot you're not going outdoors so i've been in in the warmer climate where every day i could be riding my bike so i'm doing something as far as a form of exercise and i always and i think i made that commitment more um after the first time i got traded from new york i can tell that i was burning the candle at both ends mm -hmm. and i didn't feel as good and i didn't play as well i ended up getting traded by her brooks but after that i made a commitment to kind of uh, being the best that i could be and also at the age of 30, I, 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 I started thinking, what is it going to be like when I'm 60? Because you would know as, as a 30-year-old, you'd see 60-year-olds, and you'd think, wow, they, um, they don't seem to be as happy. They don't seem to be as healthy. I don't want to be that person. So I, I started a long time ago to pay attention to what I eat and drink in moderation, enough exercise, trying to eliminate as much stress as possible. And so I've had a good life. I've, I've had a blessed life and it's been really good. And I got uh, great support around me, good family. And, um, and so life is pretty good. Yeah. Your kids are, are just absolutely gorgeous. Just on that. And just, you can tell, they just seem to have good, good energy about them, you know, just from pictures and stuff. So I thought you said they have Ron's jeans. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we don't do well with boring. We like yeah, that. My, my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't um, realize you played tennis all the way back till then. I mean, I grew up, my parents were always, my mom, they're always just health fit. You know, they were always health fanatics. And uh, so I grew up that style. So I'm the same way. I just always take care of myself. And I mean, don't, don't you want to feel good? It doesn't make sense to me to not exercise, to eat crappy and feel crappy. You know? So I totally see where you're coming from with that. And yeah. if you don't have your health, you know, what do you have? So Yeah, so when your your feet hit the ground in the morning, and if you've lost a little bit of joy in your life, it's like a struggle to go to work. 
a lot of it has to do with how you feel when your feet hit the ground how do you feel if you yeah. do, do you feel like you got a hangover every day or do you feel like you want to go back to bed well that makes it a hard way to start your day for sure so, so if you wake up and you're happy and regardless of what's going on because there's always bumps in the road there's always things you got to deal with but life is easier to deal with when things aren't going right when you feel good you're right in the yeah. frame of mind so i'm a big believer that uh, take care of yourself and life is easier as hard as it can be sometimes yeah. it's easier I agree. And it is nice to be in Florida and California. Like my daughter lived in San Diego for a while and just being able to walk everywhere and be outside all like, I just love it. I love it so much out there. And yeah. it's just, it's so easy to have a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Well, the reason, easier. the reason I, when I played uh, two years in San Diego, so I, I know San Diego, I played for yeah. the Golfers, so I spent two years there. But the reason I ended up over there is because my first wife, uh, she was a Californian. And uh, and so after every off season, we'd always go back there. And uh, I just realized after growing up in Canada, Sudbury, 20 years, that the winters uh, can be fun, but also it's, you know how they talk about the bears going into hibernation? <laughs> <laughs> As people, we kind of get into that mode because everything, mm -hmm. a lot of things die, right? Yeah. Meaning the leaves come down, everything's dark and the grass goes away. And there's a certain feeling to that versus if you're down south, mm -hmm. most of the time stays alive. Yeah. It's always green. Trees don't always fall. Their leaves are always falling. It does, you know, because I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. It's a little bit different here because it gets a little cooler. But it, it just, there's a different feeling to it, especially if you can be near the water, be near the beach. So yeah. if, if you have an opportunity to pick and choose, and that's why I've, I've been, um, you know, very grateful for being able to pick and choose where I live, that if down south makes a difference. Now, I'm not telling everybody to leave Canada, come down south. <laughs> I am. I love right now. <laughs> hey, with the okay. guidelines, get yeah. out of here. There are many Canadians, many Canadians that are, heading down to Florida now, this past year has been hard on everyone, yeah. but especially harder on them over there in Canada. And a lot of them are, once things open up, I think they're all heading south. And that's one of the reasons that I've decided, and I guess I could share with you, I'm working on doing a, a hockey show of a different kind. And it would essentially be, uh, I don't know if it'd be a pregame show or postgame show to a game, but it'd be a hockey show near the beach or on the beach, in the bar, open bar, on the beach. Nice live with a live audience but i want to go where the canadians are and they're in hollywood florida and so right now i'm looking and i'm talking with the city of, of hollywood to be able to pick a location and do with work with the snowbirds but also do it in a way where just talking to the Canadians, it's okay to come down to florida uh things are reasonably safe down here but to do that in a different way where actually i'd be it'd be live entertainment possibly have a chef there sit at a piano bar and it would be me just being me doing a live show talking hockey having guests but also interacting with a live audience which i've always wanted to do that like i worked for msg for 12 years and i always felt like we could have a better show if we did this live in front of a live audience yeah they never saw the the um the benefit of doing that i said listen i work much better with a live audience and so uh, that's one thing i'm 
you know, some some of the things that I see on TV, it's it's okay, but it's all the same stuff, right? It's all the same stuff. You got a desk, you got two guys, analysts, you got the host, it's all the same stuff. But to do it with a live audience, a little bit of interaction, get some feedback, there's really nothing like that. You can still do the news, but still interact with a live audience. Yeah. So my intention is to do that at some restaurant bar where people are going to be lined up to try to get into this place, <laughs> do something different on a hockey show, which I'm hoping to start in October. I love that. And thinking outside the box, you know, it's just like you said, something a little different. And that, that, I think that would be awesome. I'm an outside of the box guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here you <we> go. <laughs> yeah. Well, over the years, you know what you like and you don't like. And I've tried a yeah. lot of things. You know what you like and you don't like. You know what works, what doesn't work. And you know yeah. how you can improve on certain things. Because most people are just kind of just kind of follow the regular stuff, the regular routine. Mm. But um, I want to do something different. So well, we talk about like growing up in the hockey world. You know, our dad's played, so we grew up in it. And, um, it's hard to be a nine to fiver when you grow up in that environment. Like my brother and I were like the total opposite of that. You know, it's like, it's hard to, you're not used to seeing your dad get up at nine, go to work, come home at five 30. Like it's just, summers are off. You know, it's hard to do a nine to five. Listen, my, my, all my kids are all the same, right? Cause mm -hmm. like my son, Noah, who's 27, he grew up with two celebrity parents that did not have nine to five. Right. Where, you know, we were doing our own thing and flying here, flying there. Life is good. And uh, and there was no way he was going to get into any kind of work. <laughs> By the way, he wants to be an entrepreneur because he sees, right. he sees, well, the benefit of it, your own boss, but there's also a benefit of having your own hours and making your own money. So sure enough, that's what he's gotten into. He started his own business. And, uh, you know, all my other kids are all, we're not, none of them are nine to fives. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Are they hockey? Um, your kids into the hockey? Well, my son, Noah, Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he took it to a certain level, but he got, he liked all the sports. So he didn't concentrate on one. He ended up playing lacrosse and football. And so he had sure enough, eventually got hurt, hurt his yeah. shoulders. And, and that just kind of took him out of uh, doing anything further past the age of 20. So he had his fun with it as being an athlete. I had my fun watching him compete. Yeah. My, girl, my girls were volleyball players, really, really good. They, the only problem is my wife, who I'd married, was only 5'3". <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't spike it. So they, ended up, they ended up being 5'4". Yeah. So after a while, you know, as a volleyball player, you need the height. So yeah. they had their fun with volleyball. It's funny you mentioned volleyball and tennis because, like, tennis, I – in my mind, I'm a really good tennis player. <laughs> and then when I get out to play, I'm not because I'm all arms and legs and I'm just kind of, and I get so mad because I think that I'm so good, but I'm really not. So, and I'm like that with volleyball too. <laughs> Are you, because you're playing against bad players? I, I don't know. My brother's pretty good. My brother's pretty good. Oh. good thing, I don't know. How old is he? <laughs> he is, I'm 48, he's 51. You're 48? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you're that old. I didn't know you were that old. Well, yeah. You look, you look good for your age. Well, thank you. So do you. And Corey's 48, too. We're actually about six weeks apart, and our dads were born two days apart. Okay. <laughs> how, how do your dad, by the way, 
Are you talking to me or Corey? Yeah, say hi to your dad because of. I uh, certainly will. Yeah. Uh, he was always the, you know, when I look back at those teams, um, which is not an easy team to play against back then, but your dad was always the the regular guy. He always seemed to be the nice guy on the team. Yeah. You meet him years later, and he couldn't have been any nicer. Um, French Canadian, where's he from? Where was he born? Montreal. Montreal. Do you speak French? A little bit. He married an American, a Jersey girl, so... Oh, they, okay. they didn't really speak French that much at home. So a little bit. When I go up there, I pick it up more, but we don't really use it that much. Yeah. Does he spend any time in Florida? He has a place in Boca. Really? Yeah. So yeah. him and his wife go down there. Yeah. Okay. Just just so you know, I put, the one thing I forgot to tell you on my show, I have to do it in French. You do? I do. No, no. <laughs> well, Yeah. And so, how's that? How's that going? Because I, I'm, I'm French Canadian. I my first language is French, although. Oh, I, never, I didn't know that. Yeah, but I can speak French if I work at it. So this. That's how it is with me. I have to work at it. <laughs> yeah. So they. Um, so I was asked to do the show, and they said, "How's your French?" I said, "It's okay." So they tested me on one of the big stations in in Quebec, and I guess I pulled it off okay. Nice. So, yeah, that's going to be the tough part for me, but I'm going to be looking for guests. So um, He's right. He's down there. So How does your dad feel about doing interviews? Is he okay with that? Because I know he does a ton of them. Was he comfortable doing interviews or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's totally comfortable with that. Absolutely. Uh, I just kind of, where did I go? Okay. Sorry, uh, I, I disappeared. I lost all you guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we, we can hear you. We can we see can, you. Yeah, I can hear you and see you. You can hear me and see me? All right, I can't see yeah. you guys. <laughs> I don't know what uh, happened. <laughs> all right, well, we'll keep going. I'll figure it out as we're going we can, No, you look fine. We can see you. We can see all you. Right. Right. No, but she um, can't see. Corey, she can't see us. Oh, you can't yeah. see us? You guys are the the main attraction here. Yeah. All right, let's see. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Try this. Are you my there now? My phone rang and my computer picked it up. So I think I told I told you I'm terrible with technology. <laughs> well, when we're I mixing terrible, it up a little here. I mean terrible. Ah, oh, there we go. All right, you're back. Okay, you're back. All right. Um, All right. I was going to say we had tennis courts at up our our place in Colorado, and Joel Quinville used to come up, and he had a a Smokey and the Bandit black Trans Am with the big Golden Hawk in the front. Smokey and the Bandit. drive up the mountain. Same car. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that's had, amazing. Yeah, wow. I had that same car in yeah. in New York. In fact, yeah, uh, that's anyway. so funny. I love well, that Joel, show. Joel's a good guy. Quinville's a good guy. Yeah, him and my dad used to have intense tennis matches. Like, yeah, yeah. it was intense. But yeah, no, he was. That was funny. I was just. I think that's you know my dad was a lacrosse player, but I he always played a lot of tennis too to keep in shape. And I did want to ask you, one of my dad's good friends that he still sees all the time, uh, Billy Harris. Billy Harris had a place in Hermosa Beach or Manhattan Beach called Harry O's. Did you ever go to Harry O's? No, I, I don't think. I know Harry O's. Yeah. I don't think I ever went in there. I might have. Uh, okay. What year would that have been? I don't I think maybe he sold it around, you know, late 80s or something. And uh, But he's up in Muskoka now. Uh, yeah, Billy Harris lives up in Muskoka. So yeah, it's not familiar to me. I might have been yeah. in there. There's a pretty good chance. I just, and you know what? Because my dad used to go with, uh, I think Barry Beck. 
with Bubba. <laughs> and I used to always get tank tops. My dad came back from California with Harry O's and I'm like, Oh, and I found out it was Billy Harris's bar and okay. Back, I think he used to go there. So was that when Barry was playing for the Kings in uh in eighty eight? I think so. Yeah. So it must have been, yeah. So he probably had it in eighty eight. Yeah. I'm not sure of the years, but that was uh yeah, that was um <clears throat> late eighties, nineties. So little Harry O's. Yeah. I was gonna ask you too, did you and uh Barry played together? I remember my dad and Bubba played in Colorado. Um you guys are pretty good buddies in, in New York. Do you still, do you still stay in contact with him or? Well, he's in China. Yeah. He's in Hong Kong. From no. Wow. That's a big, uh, maybe he lives there. Yeah. He's been there for 10 years, I think. Wow. No, he's been there longer than 10 years. Oh, so the last I spoke to, uh, Barry was, uh, cause I do a podcast for the New York post. Um, it's called up in the blue seats. I don't know if you're aware of that, but I, yeah. I yeah. So okay. um, one of the shows I wanted to talk about uh, a young player that we lost. He's not young anymore. Mark Pavlich, who yes. uh, so Pav, we lost. He committed suicide. He was close with Pavlich. So I brought him on the show, Barry, one time, just kind of talk about uh, his status. And so Barry just kind of filled us in on that. But I also got to talk to him about, you know, why he went over there, why he went to China and, uh, you know, yeah. what was it like because of. I would have never thought Barry Beck in China. <laughs> What's happening there? Like, why did he go? Uh, I think an opportunity came up to do a hockey program. He was in Vancouver, and um, he wasn't doing a whole lot. He needed something, and some guy invited him over to to want to develop young hockey players, like in wow. a, of camp and and leagues. So he started small, and then all of a sudden he's got now in the command academy so he's, wow. he's done he's done really really well over there he's very comfortable there and i think he just needed to get away and he needed to do something different and this just happened to work out for him yeah, yeah i mean that's a whole different lifestyle that's really that's you guys really were cool. close too but i wanted to ask you you guys did actually have a fight when you got traded to detroit and which i wanted to say when you kind of said you're changing you know your lifestyle was changing a little healthier those were you had two best years in detroit for points yeah. Um, and then I noticed, I was like, oh man, these guys are buddies. And I think they fought. What, what, what led to that? Do you remember that? Or? Uh, <laughs> um, well, I remember that. And, um, you know, Barry and I were, uh, we were good friends. We hung out all the time because we go to studio 54 together and we partied together. And oh, wow. my last year with Barry, with, uh, with the Rangers, Herb Brooks was a coach. Yeah. And, um, that's when things started to kind of go south. Uh, Barry was a captain, so he took on a certain amount of responsibility. And um, Herb Brooks um, wasn't pleased with me from the year before because I was getting so much attention. And I scored 40 goals. And then the following year, he felt like he needed to put his finger on me and trying to tone me down. And, and as soon as he saw an opportunity to do it, he did it. So it created tension on the team. Absolutely. Not that there was so much tension between Barry and I, but there was tension between the coach and certain players. And so sure enough, that summer. So Barry and I uh, became maybe a little bit distant. And so sure enough, I get traded to the Red Wings. Yeah. And I'm playing with Stevie Eiserman, John Agronic, off to a good start. And it was like, in your face, Herb Brooks. <laughs> this might have been the first game. It, I don't know if it was the first game back at the Garden, one or two of the games. 
I don't know which one it was, but um, I don't know if you remember Thomas Sandstrom, Swede. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy, but he's a little bit chippy. And sure, yeah. and he, he gave me a little shot in the hands, and sure enough, I got him up against the glass. <laughs> and um, and sure enough, I get a tap on the shoulder. And it's – well, I, I yeah, it was Barry that comes in, as he should, yeah. to help his teammate. He's the captain. And so he kind of pushes me, and we look at each other, and I'm like, Barry, I'm not going to take this from you. And <laughs> we just did the hockey thing, which we both dropped our gloves. Yeah, and uh, I because I know how strong Barry is. I knew that I wasn't going to try to go toe to toe with him because Kim would have to one. I didn't want to necessarily hit Barry. I didn't really want to fight, and I don't think he wanted to either. We ended up just grabbing each other, wrestled. He did end up falling on top of me because he's so yeah. strong. But it was more him doing it was what he was doing, and me just kind of defending myself and letting him know I wasn't going to be intimidated by him. Yeah. Just like I've done many times, not many times, but I had to do in Philadelphia against some of the bigger boys there. You just <laughs> have to stand up for yourself. So, um, yeah, it was nothing was even said between the two of us. He never said, I never said anything. Uh, it was just, even that, I run into him after that. Nothing was ever said. It was just, we know it's just part of the business. Part of the game, yeah. yeah. What was it like your first game back in New York? I could remember. Well, I went back to New York, and their team was pretty good. And I was on a weaker team, Detroit, and um, and so I can remember going back and going 100 miles an hour. Of course, I'm playing with Stevie. I don't know if I scored a goal in that game. I it, I just felt when I left, I had really committed to being a Red Wing, so it wasn't like it was a tearful going back. It was like I, you know, I wanted to go back, and I part of me wanted to just kind of prove to Herb Brooks he made a mistake. So right. I don't know if I really accomplished a whole lot that game. I just know that they were watching as I progressed in Detroit because I, you know, I was going a point a game. I scored like 33 goals that year. So I had like 89, you had like 89 points. Yeah. Points one year and 89 points the other year. So that was, take that her Brooks. Yeah. Nothing better than success to shut people up. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But it was a, it was a wake up call for me though. Because I knew in that season that I was not feeling myself. I didn't quite have the energy because uh, we were, I was, now, I don't want to say partying really hard, but, you know, there was a lot of nights where I'd show up to practice and I was a little banged up. Right. I'm running a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> Studio 54. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. New York will do it too, especially back in those days. I feel like then New York was just, not that it isn't still, but it was like, Listen, you can find trouble anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean trouble, trouble, but you can have fun where right. they get you in trouble anywhere. I don't care if you're in Winnipeg or Minnesota. Didn't matter where you were as a team or even local teams, the regular teams, there's always good places to go to. So you can still get as goofy and crazy anywhere. <laughs> New York, there was um, it was just at a different level where Studio 54 was the most popular club in the world and everyone and everyone wanted to get in there at least one time and all the a-list celebrities were in there at one point so i was part of all that um i didn't get i didn't get into the crazy i just i enjoyed going there because the music was awesome and beautiful dance great dance for so i'd be in there after games and just dancing up a storm <laughs> so you did dance your dancer that's awesome yeah, oh yeah oh yeah 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> I used to I mean, back in the day when I used to go out a lot, and I was always in great shape. But I was like drinking and all that. But I'm like, it's that dance floor that kept me in shape. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, like I would tell people, like nowadays, players get on the bike to get rid of the lactic acid in their legs. Yeah. I said, no, I don't. I go right past that. Yeah. I'm in the room and I'm on the dance floor getting ready. <laughs> you just set one up in your house. Yeah. Forget about the bike. I'm not doing no bike. <laughs> Half the it's funny because yeah. my dad, like for him, the summer was, I mean, he would still run or do the bike and stuff, but he would get back in shape at, um, you know, like he said, he didn't spend the whole summer staying in shape like you did. But now, if you show up at training camp out of shape, like you're in trouble. Well, when I say that, I, my early years, I was not like that. My early years, I would take two or three months off. It wasn't until later, like when I went to uh, De Detroit. It was after that summer that that's when I moved to California and I was playing tennis all the time. But before that, oh no, it wasn't quite the same. I was like everyone else. In fact, right. my okay. My first year in training camp, 1977, guys like Phil Esposito, Carol Vadney, Kenny Hodge, all these guys are going to address them, Steve Vickers, they show up to training camp. <laughs> they won, right? Now, that summer I went hard because I need to make the team. Those guys showed up. They hadn't skated yet. Not one, <laughs> Not one time. They hadn't their gear on yet. And I remember the trainers coming in, grabbing their bag from the season before out of the back. <laughs> had not opened it up yet. Today is the first day of training. I'm like, oh my god! So, <laughs> up there, I've been training all summer. I'm going on the. I'm going a hundred miles an hour because I want to make the team. And sure enough, a couple of the old guys, Kenny Hodd, Phil Esposito, tell me, hey, hey Dukes, listen, <laughs> you need to slow down. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> one of the veterans. Yeah, <laughs> you're making us look awful here. Yeah. My dad never, never skated in the summer. No. Never. I don't no. ever remember him skating in the summer. Yeah, that's what it was like. Especially for a goaltender to put all that gear on. Yeah. Yuck. You know, he and was, you got to yeah. yeah. He was too busy fishing and, you know, hanging on the beach and stuff. You know, it's summer. Yeah. Well, with him also, though, towards the end, because he was playing a lot of playoff hockey. Yeah. Right? And so it was the grind. Because when you think about what it's like to be a four compared to a goaltender, especially a goaltender is playing a lot of games. I mean, he played almost every game. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to chat to your dad with your dad about how they feel like they have to so protect goaltenders nowadays. Like they're monitoring, to, monitoring how many games they play, how many minutes, this and that. I'm like, what happened to the old school days? It drives him crazy. It drives yeah. him crazy. He's like, what do you mean you have to rest the goalie? You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah, we played all season. It's what we did. You know, it drives him crazy. Well, it's like, it's like, um, like a defenseman, a top four defenseman, right? It's not like you got to give him days off. And right. he's probably he's lugging harder time. Yeah. The goaltender, goaltenders there sometimes sitting at the place <laughs> going the other end, just yeah. kind of waiting. <laughs> but not, they make them. They make them look like there's these. Uh, they're made out of paper. These yep. guys. These guys are strong. They're in good shape. I can see the only reason I would see giving them rest time is mentally. Yeah. It, it's, it's the mental pressure of being the backbone of the team that you can maybe rest on that. But physically, right. 
these guys don't need to rest. Yeah. Right? They Oh, he's going to play back-to-back, or he might play three and four games. So what? I'm sure most defenders want to play. So, yeah, the back-to-back. They never have them play back-to-back anymore. Seldom. They'll, they'll do Rarely. it. Depends on the goaltender. Depends the on- never. He always played all season, basically, didn't he? Yeah. He played yeah. Is unless unless he's hurt, he's not going to play. Otherwise, you're you're your starter, and you start just like a right. starting defenseman, just like a starting centerman who's playing on the power play, killing penalties. He's getting Staying back and forth. You know, like yeah. You, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why can't a goaltender play yes. every single game? It's yes. just this whole new thing, this whole mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think goaltenders, new goaltenders now, have bought into it. They bought into it like, oh, I'll just get some rest time. Yeah. Just rest. You know, yeah. guys like Lundquist, though, wanted to play every game. Yeah. He wanted to play every game. He didn't really like to rest, yeah. but there's not many guys that wanted to rest. They want to – why sit on the bench? You want right. to go play. For my dad, he said it threw his game off. Like, he needs to be yeah. out there going every game. Like, he – the rest didn't help him. He said it would hurt him. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> but the whole, game, I think the whole game has changed so much. I'm sorry, well, Corey. I cut you back off in the day, I think their punishment, if the goalie was hung over, he was starting. That was your punishment. Yeah. <laughs> My dad said he has his best games hung over. Yeah. So. yeah. We used to call it playing guilty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Play guilty because especially if the coach knew, because the coaches would kind of know, right? Because the yeah. coaches were guys that played before us. Yeah. And they were Worse, they were worse than us. So they kind of knew, so they would pay attention. So if they knew a guy can pull it off and play better when he'd been drinking, you say, okay, have at it. Yeah. <laughs> Go have fun. Just play guilty and play good. Right. Oh, Chico. Chico was the one. We had him on, and he was talking about playing guilty. Yeah. Well, no, Chico, I don't think Chico partied a whole lot, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. I think he, he did for like a year, but like one season – as, you know, he, but no, he wasn't a big. No, he was a, yeah, no, I, I, I he, never, yeah. he never played guilty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, the game has changed just so much. Like when you watch, are there things that drive you crazy about it? Like, or is it just like, it's just so different. Well, the other thing is when you, cause as long as we're talking about ice time playing four lines, I hate, I, at the beginning of my career, right to the, my middle of my career, was really three lines. Then they start adding a couple extra players. Next thing you know, all it takes is one coach to do something. He gets a little bit of success from it. Then they all fall through. Next thing you know, now we're playing four lines. Yeah. And if, But if you're a guy that was on a power play penalty kill and killing penalties, you didn't really care It was because you're still getting enough ice time. But towards the end of my career where I'm playing in L.A., I ended up on that third, fourth line and waiting on the – the rotation of four lines. I'm like, oh my god, get me out of here! Right. <laughs> it's boring. It's like, right. I, it's just get me on the ice. Like, I'm not tired. I feel great. If I'm a little tired, I'll just make my shift a little bit shorter. But I right. need continuously going over those boards, going over, going over, come off, going off. I play my best hockey then. So when I see now they talk about coaches, the balance of playing four lines and and making sure they all get somewhat equal ice time and and now they're counting 
how many minutes they play. And, oh, this guy played 20 minutes last game. I wonder how he's going to feel tonight. (laughs) (laughs) They always talk about that during the games. He can only play 18 minutes tonight. I'm like, you can't be serious. And these are analysts that have played the game, and they still talk about playing time. Playing time. And even if you're playing 25 minutes, you're still getting a rest in between That's every it. shift. <laughs> like, think about think about um, any other athlete who does 25 minutes of something. 25 minutes, and if you're in great shape, is nothing, especially if you're getting breaks every two minutes. Then, right. then you get 15-minute break between periods. I was just going to say, and you have the intermission too. Oh, I, I can't. That's one thing I cannot stand. The other thing I can't stand is when they start talking about plus and minus. A player is a plus, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a minus. There are six guys on the ice, and I think your dad would, both your dads would agree. There are six guys on the ice, and you'll get a plus or a minus. A lot of it, a lot often, you'll have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. A goal will be scored. It might be a bad goal from a bad goaltender, and you get a minus. You had nothing to do with it, but they <laughs> Staff, they put such an importance on it. Look at this guy; he's a plus eighteen. Oh my goodness! Or this guy's a minus five. Or yeah. and because I played the game, I know sometimes, most of the time, you have nothing to do with the plus or the minus. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. So they all make such an importance on these plus and minus, minus, and they talk about uh, uh, the ice time and uh, fourth line and balance this, balance that as. You know, I think I don't know if it's just talking points that they need to have these talking points. Uh, and the other thing is all these analytics, right? Yeah. Thing. Analytics are okay. They're, out of curiosity, I will look at analytics, right? Percentage of this, percent of that. And it will make sense. But some of these coaches coach according to analytics, right? Yeah, there's so much on that now. Yeah. Look yeah. at the Leafs. Uh, you know, the Leafs have those young guys who are all about you know, stats and analytics and yeah, not helping them. <laughs> it, no, no. And it's, it's, it's out of curiosity. You can look at it with some of that stuff, but more it's technique, more it's technique and character, technique and character and having the right coach that has a feel for the game to know how to teach. He doesn't need to look at analytics, you know? Right. So if I was to go scout a player, I'm not going to look as the analytics and say, okay, I like this guy. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna draft him. I want to go look at the guy. Yeah. I want to see how he plays in the playoffs, and I want to see how he performs under pressure. I want to see how he interacts with the teammates. Those are all things that I want to know about. I couldn't care less about analytics. You can look at it, how many goals he scored, or how many assists, how many penalty minutes. You can look at that, but I want to I want to feel it and see it on a player. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this, I mean, there's just so many changes. My brother doesn't even watch the game anymore, and he was a diehard, like diehard. But, I mean, did you play – now I'm going back. Did you play against my dad ever? Yeah. Besides the outdoor which game. Was, <laughs> yeah, besides, which was awesome. We'll talk about, but, um, yeah, because he was in 79. Your dad, your dad retires in 79? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. yep. He remembered that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> My first year was 77. Yeah. So I now, played. So, but you weren't on the Rangers when he got his injury, though, were you? I don't know. That I would remember. Yeah, how you did, probably remember. How did he get hurt? That when uh, the stick went in his eye, who was it? Do you remember, oh, Corey? Yeah. 
Yeah, no. Ended his career. It was the Rangers, but I guess you would have remembered if you were on that team. Well, if it was the Rangers, I was on that team. I got to get – I don't know why I'm not remembering that. Your head was at Studio 54. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing guilty that game. Yeah, playing guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what one, was it like, one though, One step going at a time. <laughs> yeah. uh, my my dad did have a question for you, though, because yeah. he, he watched uh, the outdoor game, and he wanted to know if you shot the puck into Bernie's glove or if Bernie – if you were going top shelf and Bernie made the glove save. We know the answer to that. We know yeah. the answer. To that. that was that was called respect. Is what that was. Yeah. Were you at the game, Kim? Yes. Did you tell that that's what I did? I knew that if you wanted to, you could have scored. Okay. Because I tried, I tried to disguise it the best I could. No, you did. Like you definitely yeah. wasn't like a you know yeah. a little fluff, but did I you? knew that you could have scored on him if you wanted to. You know? Okay. Did did your dad make a comment about it afterwards? Because I I haven't asked him this because I didn't want to make it where I didn't want to make it embarrassing to him to make it look like uh, I better make it really weak otherwise he can't say I didn't want to do that. No, 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 no. He, he, he was totally grateful. He thought it was respectful. I mean, that was his last. He went out on that. He'll never play again. Like that was yeah. his last moment, and it couldn't have been a better. And I don't remember him playing. So for me. It was yep. just like I get the chills just talking about it. So no, he was grateful and felt the respect in that for yeah. sure. Yeah. You ever hear the backstory of that? Was it Mark Messier? No, no? no. The backstory right. for me is that I knew it was going to happen in the afternoon. I, I had this vision. Really? I had this vision, premonition. I'm sitting because um, I I kind of took the game. I didn't want to take the game too seriously because I was in good shape. And if I wanted to fly around and go around a guy, that's sort of, <laughs> I didn't want to make anyone. I just wanted to play the game, but I wanted to look good without trying to show off. Right. And so I was having, so uh, in the afternoon I was, I told my wife and she's there with my kids. So listen, I just want the afternoon to myself. So I did a normal routine, went back to my room, laid down, relaxed. And I started thinking about the game. How am I going to play this game? And it came to me as clear as day that I started to think about the goaltending that your dad was going to be in net is going to be in net for the first five minutes. And it came to me that I was going to have an opportunity it was going to be just him and I. Wow. <laughs> and what what do I do? I, it came to me. What do I do? Wow. Yeah. And all of a sudden, four minutes and maybe four minutes and ten seconds. Your dad's getting ready to leave the ice. This play happens. I can't mm -hmm. remember. But he fumbles the puck. I get the puck, and here I am. That's incredible. <laughs> I knew what to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I right. just knew I was not going to try to score because it wasn't about me. It wasn't yeah. not going to be about me. It was going to be about those first five minutes was about your dad. Yeah. It was about celebration of your dad, and it wasn't going to be about me. And um, I knew what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And it just came to me because I played enough hockey to know how do I do this to where I'm shooting, but I know that it's going to give him a chance to save it without right. making it look like. So it just, it, it couldn't have happened more perfect 
for your dad mm -hmm. and not thinking about me. But what happened to me after that, I don't know if you know this, almost every single player on the Flyer team came to me from the from that really? point. And they say, Ron, that was the nicest, classiest thing that we've seen in hockey. That literally makes me tear up. Yeah. Well, that's why you have so much respect. In Ron. fact, an hour later, I'm driving somewhere. I get a text. It's Eric Lindros. He said, he's, he didn't say anything to me, honey, but he said the same thing to me by text. I wish I would have kept that. Wow. Um, so, and after that, for another year, I would get messages on social media from Flyer fans who hated me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they liked me. So that little situation with your dad, that's why I feel a different connection with your dad. It made me feel like there's more to the game. It's not just about winning. There's mm -hmm. more to the game. It's respect for your opponent. And um, uh, sometimes we just have to stop and celebrate certain things. And that first five minutes was celebrating your dad. And it, it couldn't have, because I'll remember, he stops and there's the whole 44, 45,000 people stand up mm -hmm. and standing ovation. He stops, yeah. stops on it. And I couldn't have been happier. I don't know if you could see the smile. I couldn't have been happier. Yeah. But here, so then I go back to the bench. Al Trotwick is doing the game for MSG TV. He's on the bench, and he's 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 not necessarily a hockey guy. His advantage point, he couldn't quite see. He saw my back to Sumi shoot. He had no idea. So he interviews me right away. I come to the bench, and he asks me, "But could you have done something different? You took a shot. You didn't score." And, 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 his, and I didn't know how to answer it because I, I right. thought, and um, I, don't, I don't remember what my answer was. I wish I did. He was asking me, like, you didn't score, but it would have made a difference in the game. And so to continue this, Mike Keenan is our coach. If you know <laughs> anything about Mike. Oh, yeah. I know about Mike. <laughs> was he mad? Mike hates to lose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I've gotten to know Mike because I've worked with him uh, with television. By this time, I know Mike. Everyone's left the dressing room. It's him and I leaving. And we're, we're walking, and, and um, he says to me, you know, good game tonight. We, uh, you know, you know, Ron, you know, because it's the Flyers, I would have liked to have won. And he goes, you know, if you would have scored, <laughs> and he's saying this to me with a straight face. Uh huh. I'm not that, that could have made a difference in the game, but but he goes, you know, I kind of understand why you did what you did, and I'm like, oh my god, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that story just tops it for me because that's such a Mike Keenan thing to tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's Mike. Yeah. Stood, but he wanted to win so bad. Right. And, and he had to make that mention to me. So to this day, Mike and I are really good friends because I, I get him. I, I understand him. Right. And, uh, in fact, we do we do a lot of events together. So, um, anyways, my phone is ringing right now. That's why I'm getting a buzz. Yeah, no worries. Oh, <laughs> um, I love the whole. I didn't know all of the backstory, like your side of that, because, Mike, like I said, for me, it was something I'll never forget. Like that yeah. little thing that you did. That erupted those forty-four thousand people that people still talk about to this day. Yeah, and for yeah. my dad to go out like that was—it it couldn't have been more perfect. 
And the yeah. fact that you had the premonition, like I believe in all that stuff. I think that's so cool. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It was clear as day. It was gonna be him and I. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to happen, but it was just gonna be him and I. And I was gonna wow. need to make a decision. <laughs> and, and, it, and I knew that there's no way I'm gonna to try to score. I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm gonna give him a chance to make a save. Now listen, I shot at his pads. It could have gone through his legs. Yeah, yeah, he did you know, he had to do some work there. But his face, did you see him light up? His the big smile. I think he thanked you or hit you on the head or something. Everyone was coming over and patting him on the head, but he was just like yeah. it, was, it was awesome. With all the hard times that I had in Philly, and I'm telling you. I had a hard time in Philly because they I were. I ask you about that, so I'll have to. Yeah. Yeah. No, the fans were abusive. They whistled when you, as soon as you touched the puck, everyone would start whistling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they would whistle at me like I'm a woman, and the the uh, <laughs> words that were throwing at me all the time because back then the glass was low, low glass. Yeah. Right. Warm ups. I couldn't skate by the glass. I had to yeah. skate in the middle. I had. To, I could not because they were just. Really? That's bad. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, listen. That's the way it was back then. They were. Yeah. Was, they were allowed to do it. They was it did. just in Philly? Did you experience that anywhere else? It was mainly in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> Allen, I, I experienced some of it on the Isle, but it wasn't as bad because we had a lot of Ranger fans there. But Philly was the worst. And and I I got it. I loved the fact that they were giving me so much attention. The fact that they hated me so much. I'm doing something right. Exactly. Right. That's so true. It, yeah. it, it actually brought the best out of me because if yeah. you were all my games playing in Philly, I've scored a lot of games in Philly. A lot of I scored a lot of goals in Philly, and I would play my best because you had to be on your toes. You had to go 100 miles an hour. You had to stay in motion. You had to play hard. Had to keep your head up. Otherwise, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hurt. And you had to show up with your game face. I couldn't show up thinking I was on a dance floor. It be happy Ron. So it brought <laughs> the best out of me. But one time, I think it might have been in the playoffs, there's a little more tension in the air. Sure enough, some guy, and back then when you stepped off the ice, it was just a little railing. There was no glass. Some guy off the railing, he just chirping at me, run right in my face. And I – I, 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 I might have broke this guy's jaw. I hit oh it. Yeah, it was just a, it was a reflex to how I was Yeah. Feeling. I'd had enough. And sure enough, security came. If that same thing happened today, I would end up in jail. Yeah. They would have arrested me. Right. But this guy yanked them, security, because security didn't see that I was the one who hit him first. So they grabbed him, they threw him out of the building. And there was no word about anything after the, after the game. Nothing. I should have been arrested because I hit this guy so hard. Um, it amazes me how I can keep your goal in those situations because, I mean, they can be really brutal and obnoxious. I just, I find, or banging on the glass and screaming. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is that I, I'd, uh, playing major junior hockey in Ontario, it really got you ready to play in the NHL because we went through, I saw a lot of that in junior hockey, playing for Subway, going into St. Marie, it was it was really bad. So um, it kind of gets you ready. I, I got to turn my phone off because uh, me because I have everyone for whatever reason is trying to reach me. That always happens in your middle middle of something. <laughs> yeah, in fact, my because I'm going to go see my uh, Thanksgiving Thanksgiving 
Fourth of July <laughs> coming up. Yeah. I don't know when you're going to air this, but Fourth of July is coming up, and I I'm going to go see my kids in California. As soon as I tell them I'm coming, then all the phone calls start to happen. And, nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, so playing junior hockey was the same thing. The brawls, the glass, the I've taken a lot of abuse for whatever reason. Everyone thought I was gay. Well, they say that because I mean, it's only it's all like jealousy and intimidation. So they have to turn around and you know, it's just it always, I'd always and I would say, wait a minute, you want to see? Let me show you something. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, we we as athletes, we know it's not serious. They're just trying to get under our skin, just like the players you play against players and they'll say things at you you don't you don't take it serious you gotta have tough skin yeah so um i've never taken it seriously it's just sometimes you know you're you're a little intense getting ready for a game and sometimes you, you can only take so much so yeah yeah i mean we've heard um because living in philly and growing up here i always hear the philly side of things so like hearing like chico and other people talk about coming in and playing in philly it's just don't realize the other end of it, you know, until you hear it. Well, I came in. I came in after um, the won the Stanley Cup twice. They won it essentially. Yes, they had your dad. Yes, they had some good players, but essentially they were intimidating teams. Yeah, they were bullying on teams, and mm -hmm. and so by the time I get the NHL, now the NHL, most all the teams have guys. To have to defend defend against Philadelphia, so the whole league was tough. It was right. just, it, it was uh, it was a tough going, and so you had to man up. You got to man up. If not, boys, <laughs> figure it out. They're going to come after you. Well, it's not very intimidating to play there now. So. But also, too, you grew up playing in the OHL, right, or major junior in Sudbury, which prepared you for that, right? Well, yeah, yeah, very. Are much. they rough in there? The fans are rough. It's, it's tough hockey, like the yeah. you know, the the Ontario Hockey League and stuff. Yeah, there was the Sault Ste. Marie teams, and well, yeah, you had you had uh, good players could always handle themselves as well, right? So yeah, um, what happened is that because Philly won the way they did, all of a sudden it ends up in junior hockey. This the, the coaches are looking at this. Okay, this is how we're going to start to try to win games. We're going to try to intimidate our opponent. So all wow. of a sudden, every team is getting two, three tough guys, and then you get a match up to that, and all of a sudden the game has changed because bench-clearing brawls was, were still going on in juniors and the NHL by the time I got Wow. My first experience of that, Philadelphia, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a brawl, and if you get paired up with the wrong guy, yeah. it'll be a long time. Be, yeah. Did you did you get the wrong guy or were you okay? <laughs> well, I got, uh, you know, uh, Dave Hoyda. Dave Hoyda was pretty tough. Guy. Yeah, Dave was tough. He was, yeah. you know, he's a designated fighter. And so you have to know how to manage those guys. You know, a lot of it had because I was strong enough, but yeah. you just have to know how to grip, how to hold, and know what to do, when to do. And um, so I ended up with him. And um, so a guy can always feel someone else's strength when you're when they grab you. Yeah. So him and I fought a couple times. You know, it was just I, my fights were all I need to do is break even with this guy and just kind of show him that I will stand up to him and fight him. Right. I got Cochran a couple times. Oh wow! 
You got, yeah. Pool, you caught Poolin. You caught Davy Poolin. Uh, yeah, Davy, that was a mistake on his part. Yeah. <laughs> uh -oh. yeah, uh, yeah, and I don't know if you, there's a story behind that. Berkey, uh, Brian Burke was well, Brian Burke was a man. Was he the manager one time in Philadelphia? Uh, yeah. I think he might have been. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Brian tells me the story. He goes up to Poolin one day. He says, "Listen." You're going to have to um, find a way to get in a fight or two just to let people know that you're willing. Is he an American, Pullen? I think he is. Yeah. I think he is, but I, yeah. He told me that, he told me the story one time that he told him, listen, you're going to need to get in a fight or two just so you can show that you will fight. And sure enough, it, I don't know if it was within that week, he's playing, they're playing the Rangers. And we're playing in a game where it's my last year. I'm not in a good mood. I'm in the third line. I'm not in a good mood in this game. And uh, and I think it was in the third period. Him and I center off against each other, if you, if you go back to the video. And he gives me a shot. And I'm looking at this guy. Oh, my God. You're not going to do that to me. <laughs> I, I challenged him. And because he was told that he should get in a fight, he fights me. Right. Now, sure enough, you know, I gave it to him pretty good. And uh, so Berkey went up to him afterwards. Uh -uh. <laughs> you, you should get in a fight, but you you need to be careful on which guy you pick on. <laughs> I got to go back and watch that. To pull yeah. up on YouTube. Yeah, that was too easy. It was just too easy. It, yeah. And bottom, it was only because I was not in a good mood. I was playing on the third line. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, he got you on the wrong day. <laughs> and he's a really Dave Pullen, such a a nice person. You know yeah. I mean? He's a really nice person. Yeah, it's not his nature. It's not his nature. And yeah. you, know, you would know that with certain guys, right? You know it's not his nature. It's not gonna be it's not gonna bother you, it's not gonna give you a cheap shot. But he ended up giving me one because he was told to get a little more physical. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I really have to keep doing this. <laughs> well, just pick on a little guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't realize how, I mean, I knew um, Clarkie was chippy and all that stuff, but hearing stories from other players about him kind of took me by surprise too. Just that he could have, yeah, could have a dirty they, player. Yeah. They didn't like playing against him. They didn't have a lot of, not a lot of yeah. great things to say about him because he had that? a lot of backup. Well, Bobby Clark. Yeah, yeah. Park, yeah. Oh yeah. No. Well, if you watch his games, he was. I I I respected him because he was he was a good leader for that type of team. Yeah. He, um, he competed hard, and that's why I liked him. He competed hard, and back then you're a smaller player. You're gonna have to use your stick, and that's what he would do. And he got pretty good at it. He was a little bit chippy. I know he's given me a couple of shots in the back of the leg, <laughs> and, um, but he he had the guys to support him. But the guy can also he can score goals, and he competed hard when they when they needed him to. So I respected that for him. Um, but he was chippy with a stick, and you had to back then. You had to. Yeah. And then you played with Gretzky in, in LA, which is a whole different ballgame. That must have been a lot of fun for you. Yeah. Well, by the time I got to LA. Uh, I had been struggling a little bit, and I was towards the end of my career, so I was more like on a third, fourth line. So, I, you know, for me, I was accustomed to being on a top two line. So I was more or less playing a defensive role, but I got to be around him. I got to see what made him tick. 
on and off the ice, in the dressing room, off the ice, uh, then saw his magic on the ice. So that was a good experience to be around Kretz because I had played with him in one of the Canada Cups. Canada Cup, I think it was in 80-81. Um, we were on that team. I was on that team with them. Um, but Gretz is a um, he's a quiet leader. He's not a loud guy. He just he's very consistent. The way he practices, the way he played, he was always kind of the same way. He competed hard. If he got two goals, he's going to try to get three. He didn't care if you were up six, if the team was up six goals or not. No, if he can get more, he's getting more. He was yeah. not letting up. <laughs> he was that type of guy. And when you look at his career for a little guy, 165 pounds, 5'11", 165, maybe 170, he knew how to maneuver on the ice. And, you know, he was always protected, but um, very focused and extremely skilled. Now, is he like one of those that's, I mean, obviously he worked hard and played hard, but was he the guy that stayed an extra hour or two or, or he just have that kind of natural talent? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He was, uh, he was never late, but he was never early. Right. Not one that lead the ice first, but he wasn't last. Right. So <laughs> in between, but it yeah. wasn't, I don't remember watching him say, oh, I need to work on my shot. Cause I think with him, he understood that, it's not like golf or it's not like tennis where it's where you're sitting there stationary and you're taking a shot. It's more, you're, you're shooting in different locations, different ways, a guy on leaning on you. Nothing is really the same. And I've always seen it that way. Also, I'm never one that just kind of sit there and take shots because it's not like you were going to be free by yourself to just take a shot and aim at a corner. Right. So for me, I, I would, I wanted to, practice on my shots in an actual scrimmage that was more real. And so I was not wanting for, I didn't feel like I needed to learn how to better snapshot or snapshot or slap shot or any of that. Gretz, I think it was the same thing. He would just, you, you just react to situations. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame in the action when it's going on. I mean, now they have the overtime, the, uh, whatchamacallit. The shootout. Shootout. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they have, I mean, but like you said, how often did that happen before yeah. the shootout? I don't yeah. know if you know this about Gretz, but he did not like the shootouts. I did. Yeah. Who, was, who yeah. said that? Was it Chico? Someone said that he wasn't great at on breakaways. Well, he was during the game because he was but, just responding to the game. Right. Yeah. But if you put him in a situation where everything stops and you're actually having to think about it, and I think the pressure of him to have to score because he's the great one, I don't think the pressure would bother him. But I, I, I don't know this for a fact. I just have an idea because I'm kind of the same way. You give me a breakaway in a game, there's a better chance I'm going to score in a game than I am in an actual uh, shootout. Because a shootout, you have all these eyes and people watching you, and you're expecting to think about it. Yeah. You start thinking about it in, in, instead of just reacting or responding. Right. Yeah. So I never liked shootouts either, and I think that he did. Even like uh, Yager didn't like, did not like him. I bet you for the same reason. Yeah. I don't know about Lemieux. I'm not sure with Mario, but I know with Gretz and Yager, those two did not like doing it. Yeah, that all makes sense. I, mean, I can see that. Yeah. When you're in the heat of the game, you're you know it's a whole different. Yeah. Then there's other guys like like to sit around and practice on stuff. In practice, right? Right. 
they like they really enjoyed doing it. And so they would do it in practice, say, hey, can I do it in the game? Because I've been working on this one trick. I've been working on this one trick. <laughs> right? So you have those guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you hear that during broadcast sometimes where they say, oh, he's been working on this a lot during practice that, you know, but who do you, who do you have for the, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're rooting for uh, Montreal? I would like to see Canada win. Okay. It'd be good for Canada. Right. Um, Montreal hasn't won. And uh, Toronto won, Tampa won last year. I, I'm not sure. I'm just rooting to watch a good series. More I than hope that, you I yeah. be entertained. Every, most all these games have been very entertaining. So very. good. Yeah. I so think good. that last Islanders game was a little kind of boring, but most of them have been really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm hoping for the same thing. And I like when the players go after each other, which we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. Like really care, like get angry, go after each other. Yeah. Like that because if you're when you're playing the Stanley Cup and you're not getting angry, there's something wrong. You should get angry. Things should break out. Pushing and shoving, the occasional fight because it's part of the game because you're competing for the Stanley Cup. I don't want to see nice hockey. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how much of that we're going to see in this series. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, but I'd like to see Montreal win because I'm think as a Canadian, I'm thinking Canada. Yeah, and it would be good for the cup to end up in Canada, although they have all these crazy lockdowns. Right, it, it's hard to watch the games when there's no audience. Oh, but, it's I mean, in the play, it's hard enough during the regular season, but in the playoffs, not having the crowd but, there, it's yeah. could you imagine being the tarps. owner? Sorry, go ahead. You're looking at tarps, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Where's like, where's Gary Bettman on this? I was right. going to say he's looking at tarps as like that's money he's losing. Yeah, the, the Montreal owners. Here we are in the Stanley Cup Finals, and nobody's allowed in the rink. <laughs> like, and, and as a player, I mean, I would ask you, like, as a player, not having the fans there. I mean, that's uh, there's definitely an advantage. Yeah. But, um, listen, I'm not going to get into really why it's all being allowed. Um, but I can't imagine that game one that they're not going to have at least 10,000 people because what's what was embarrassing in that last game, Montreal? That okay, there was a celebration inside, but you look outside, there's like oh. what 6,000 people, yeah. no masks, they're all high fiving each other, partying. There's all these people are outside, so why is it that they're permitted to be outside but they can't be inside? Right, it, it was embarrassing for everyone. To yeah. show this. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that all those people outside are going to be able to go inside. And like you said, they're out there hugging and jumping up and down and grabbing. Like, what's the difference? You know, and let them get in there and for the team. And it's crazy because that's why can make a decision on whether they want to go somewhere or not go somewhere. Right. Yeah. No one's forcing them to go. If someone goes, you go at your own risk. And yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. So. And that's a, I've been locked out of work for 18 months, but I'm a dual citizen. So I, like I said, I, I was in Chicago last night, came back and I had to cross the border because I fly into Buffalo and I have to drive across by land. I can't fly in or I got to, I have to stay in a hotel for three days then I got to quarantine for 14. So if I come across by land because I'm a dual citizen, I'm allowed to do that. So I keep driving over to Buffalo and flying around in the States and then I come back to you know, lockdown. 
So. Yeah, some of, the, some of the stories I'm hearing out of Quebec are <laughs> couples that have, if they go to Florida, come back. Yeah. That they're not married, but they're living in the same house. Yeah. They'll get calls every day. Yeah. They'll I get have... a call every day. What yeah. room are you in right now? Is your yeah. boyfriend, make sure you don't spend too much time in the same room as your boyfriend. Oh, they're telling them what to do. It's, it's really, it's really. You're not in the same room as your boyfriend right now, are you? Like, yeah. no, of course not. Yeah. Do they expect with... people to be honest? Yeah, it's no, it's pretty, a bit. It's pretty, but... it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, they came to my house looking for me. I was supposed to be quarantined for 14 days, but because I'm a dual citizen, if I'm in Canada, I have to stay in my house, but I can leave to go back to the U.S. anytime I want. So they came looking for me and I was in the States. They were fine with it. They're just, they're looking, I guess, for people who are. You Can know, you imagine how many people are employed to actually do that? How much money? That's are you what I said. Like when Corey first, I'm like, there's no way they're going to check up on you. You know how much money it would cost them, how many employees to follow up on everyone. And they're doing it. Like they're actually, they're actually doing it. That's how important it is to them. Wow. The first time I crossed, I didn't have a PCR test a couple months ago. It caught, they gave me a ticket for $3,750 for Can not having, and the next day I tested negative. So they gave me a ticket for not having a PCR test, oh. thinking I was bringing a virus into the, you know, into our country, yeah. but I test negative every time. And it's, so I didn't have to pay it, but that's, we have a big deficit and they got to make their money back somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so it's just another form of tax. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm yeah. glad that things are good down here and yeah, you know, with the summer and the shore and everything, it, yeah. everything feels kind of normal. Yeah. Where are you? I'm at, right outside of Philly in the, on Southern Jersey, uh, Southern New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to Atlantic city. Um, I do an event there. I, when you say Philly, because I, I was going to land in Philly, because I'm doing an event. Yeah, it's about, about 40 minutes from me, Atlantic City. It's not too far. Yeah, I do an event there on. Um, wow, I'm I'm uh, August seventh, August eighth, August seventh and eighth in Atlantic City, and uh, because the events, all the events I normally do have all been canceled, but now they're starting up again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Atlantic, a lot of places shut down Atlantic City too. So I'm curious to see how they're. I'm sure everyone will start to rebound, but I think a lot of stuff is has shut down. Yeah, well, I think it's open by the time I get there because there's. Oh yeah, be I mean things are. Open. Yeah. I mean, like a couple businesses like just had to close for good, kind of thing. Yeah. But no, everything down there should be open up now. It was. Yeah. I was down there in well Long Beach Island, um, a couple weeks ago, and it was wide open. Everything was. Yeah. You know, restaurants all that sort of stuff but it did yeah. there was a lot of places not open because they didn't survive mm, through yeah. the you know through the pandemic but anyway, well, we're, we're, we're um, biscuit teas and i'm glad that we didn't have brick and mortar so i didn't have to worry about that but <laughs> yeah that's true too oh well. okay all right well, thank all right. you so Good much for coming on we really 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 appreciate it and I'll, oh, my yeah. dad would probably love to be on your show i'll, I'll mention it to him yeah, I'm going to keep that in mind because if it does happen, it'll be in October and it's going to be French. Um, so I'm going to need some help. Okay. I would love, I would love for your dad to, because uh, Hollywood's not far from Boca, right? No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. So I will keep that in mind because I would love to have him as a guest so he can help me out a little bit. And, <laughs> well, his, his French is getting a little rusty too. So. Yeah. Well, listen, French Canadians don't care as long as you try. Right. 
as yeah. long as they try if you as long as you try they're okay with that yeah so. Maybe your dad's uh, speaking Italian now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, enjoy the rest of your uh, day. And seriously, we really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to hang out with you for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Ron. Yeah. Any final questions before I go? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Oh, no. my dad did. My dad wanted to say because a lot of respect for you. When he played the outdoor game against Detroit, he was in net for Toronto. He had five minutes slotted. He left after 90 seconds because I think Yuri Hurdler let a clapper go about 90 miles an hour past his head. <laughs> so he left the net. He's like, forget this. So he's like, Jesus, Duguay's, you know, so he had a lot of respect for you doing that. He didn't uh, do the Duguay respect for him that my dad received. Yeah, no, he's like, Jesus, no one respected me. This guy let one go 90 miles an hour, <laughs> 90 seconds into the game. <laughs> you get caught up in the excitement of the game. And yeah. you you're, you just let a slapper go like you really want to win. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. Good talking to you guys. All right. Okay. You too. All, All right. right. Bye. Thanks so much, Ron. Take care. The Perrant Favel Generation X podcast is powered by Biscuit Tees and Favel Fitness. Bringing you unique comfort and style while optimizing a healthy, organic lifestyle. Yes.